Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome everyone. We're continuing to discuss 1 Samuel in our morning Bible study. We're happy you're here to join us. Promise, can you please pray for us? Yes. God, I just welcome you and Sarah of our midst and just help us to understand what you want us to understand and giving us the correct goals that you want us to do. And God, I also thank you for just giving us security and protecting us from everything. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, so today we're in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's the story of David and Goliath. So how about we just get to it, All right? Can I get someone to begin reading verse 1 through verse 21? I'll read. All right. Charles? Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle, and they gathered at Sacco, I think, which belongs to Judah. And they camped between Sacco and Ezekah and Ephes the Meme. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and his shield bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the army of Israel, armies of Israel, and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man from your, for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants." But if I prevail against you, against him, and kill you, and kill him, sorry, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I will defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of the Ephraimite of Bethlehem, Judah whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons. And the, man was, and the man was old, advanced in years, in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went to the battle were Elab, the firstborn, next to him Abinadab, and the, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistines drew near and presented himself forty days, morning and evening. Then Jesse said to his son David, 
Take now for your brother an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves, and run to your brother at the camp, and carry these ten cheeses to the captain over of their thousand, and see how your brothers fare, and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took the things, and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to battle, to the fight, and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. Uh-huh. Okay, so are there any questions or comments? And most importantly, anything the Holy Spirit revealed to you? Well, I found it interesting that Goliath made this promise. He said, if the Israelites were able to defeat him, then the Philistines would become the Israelite service servants. Okay. And likewise, if he defeated the Israelite, then the Israelites would become their servants. But... It's jumping the gun a little bit, but after Goliath was defeated, no one kept that promise. They all scattered and ran away. Well, there are, yes, we'll get to that, but there is a, a reason why that was not followed. But in this, yes, Goliath makes the, uh, I'll say, a negotiation, if you will, of, hey, let's just do one, one against one. Why is that? So that way he have more, the kingdom would have more servants? There you go. And he thought for sure he was going to win. So why waste their effort when it seemed like a sweet deal? So yes, that is, that is something accurate. What else did anyone get out of this? noticed that he kept saying he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel mm-hmm. um, both when he stood to defy it and um, he kept saying armies but Plural, then yes. yes and then a few verses later it's back to singular again yes army against army you know so Clearly, this was a spiritual thing as as well as a natural thing. Uh-huh. Anyone else? It was weird that he said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Like, right, that's the point your mother just brought up. Yes, so it's, it's but weird. Like, it, who says that? Well, I mean, they got, they're going to have some different language because of the time that they lived in, as well as translations and et cetera, et cetera. There is that. I'd also want to point out the time span. It said he stood out there 40 days and 40 nights. Like when Jesus was fasting, same. In the wilderness. So a time of testing? Yes. But also, 
even during Jesus' time, right? It says that in the natural, that he was weaker, right? Yes. From not eating food, from not having water, right? Yes. Being in the wilderness. So it's a wearing down, which, yes, it happens on two, two fronts, the spiritual as well as the natural. But we should notice in this, because right, clearly this is a spiritual battle as well as a natural, physical one, the, I'll say, tactics of the devil, the enemy. He comes with this entire army, but it's really just one person, one thing that's at the core of this. That is the, the thing taunting, in this case, the entire army. However, everyone viewed it as an individual because he's only asking for one. So instead of banding together and fighting, all right, in unity, which should happen after you get the game plan from the Lord, nobody moved. Well, the whole point of his his speech and the, I'll say the vibrato that he was putting forward was to incite fear. Exactly. Right? Yes. Because the enemy, if your fear is faith but the other the opposite side of it right yes. Yes. perfect love cast out fear because fear involves torment right and it it putrefies your faith when you allow fear to have a place so it instead of them going you said that right the armies you know and we see later that elisha goes oh open my servant's eyes lord so that he sees there's more with us than there are with them. And them standing in what well, we have a promise from our God. He's already said this, that, and the other to us. He'll deliver us. Instead of them standing on that, they're standing there listening to the enemy and allowing fear to arise in them instead of stirring up their own faith. So the whole point of that, the tactic of the enemy, is to distract you incite fear, cause you to be afraid so that you forget what the Lord said and who you are to him and yeah. in him. And shift your focus off of him onto whatever you're facing. So shift the focus off of God. Yes, off, off of God onto the trial at hand, right? Yeah. Why do you think it goes into such what? great detail to describe Goliath and all his equipment? Just not shiny and impressive and... Huge, just massive, weighs a ton, right? Given the, the stature of the man. Yes. He's a giant, right? So everyone's focused on the size of this individual and, and the weight and all these other things. Look how big his spear is. Oh, and he's got a javelin on his back. Man, he's so big. Someone else has to carry his stuff for him. His extra, was it, shield? Really? So, wow. Oh, man. Listen to how his voice sounds. Scary. <laughs> <laughs> but in there you also see pride. You also see all these natural things. Coming However, from Goliath? Yes, coming from Goliath. Mm -hmm. the, I'll say the, the pride. And he was so sure that he was going to defeat whoever was sent. That it didn't even matter. But at the same time, you see the enemy realized and understood that he had to spend great time convincing them mm -hmm. that he was going to beat them. Because, you know, 
when I, when I was growing up, we would say, don't talk about it, be about it. Exactly. So if you knew you're going to win, let's just go. Why are you sending you to do all this talking? Because you want to convince them. And yourself that you can do it. Right. But just like the enemy, if, if he can convince you that God is not with you, then he can have you. But if he can't convince you, if he can't cause you to be afraid, you're in the hedge of protection. Nothing he can do. And then when you know who you are and you take your authority over him, tell him to shut up and get out in the name of Jesus. He's already a defeated foe. Even at this point in time, God had already given his word to Israel. He'll be an enemy to your enemies. As long as you are obedient, as long as you remain in the hedge of protection, the and condition. do what? And trust him. Mm. Believe him. Faith has always been the medium of exchange with us, the currency with us and God. He said it from the beginning. Adam and Eve had to believe him and trust what he was telling them was the truth and obey what he said, tend and keep the garden. Uh, um, Abraham had to do it. He believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Noah had to, I mean, like we can go all the way down Noah's Moses, first and then Abraham. Aaron, every, right, every time it comes to faith. Hebrews says, without faith it's impossible to please God. Those that believe him must believe that, well, those that come to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So faith is still our currency. And on the, I'll say the flip side of that, what is sin? Breaking of faith? A breaking of faith. Oh. That's, that's how the Lord views it. That's his perspective on it. Which, uh, breaking of faith is also rebellion and idolatry. In particular, sin that you're aware of and you do it on purpose. Mm -hmm. There are times when we could not understand that we're violating the Lord. And he has mercy on us and he Absolutely. will teach us. Right? Like Nineveh, they didn't understand. They didn't know that they were violating God with what they were doing. That's why he sent Jonah. Yes. But, but willful, these are the children. Willful sin is. Of Israel. Of children of the Most High. So the fact that they're not operating in faith. Means that they're a broken faith. Yeah. Yes. Which we already saw that that was the case. Which is why David was anointed to be king. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It wasn't like an all-of-a-sudden thing. It just happened over time. But yes. So it gave, what? Place for the enemy. That's what sin does. It gives them a foothold. And what is Goliath doing? He's increasing that foothold. Twice a day, morning and evening, he's going out and challenging Israel. Just to send one person. Isn't that interesting? Um, the the tactic. As soon as you wake up in the morning, the enemy is talking. Nip, 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 nip. Nip it at you. Mm -hmm. And then before you lay down to go to bed, there he comes back again to make sure you have sweet dreams to remember him by. <laughs> <laughs> so you're thinking over the night and losing sleep, worrying. Sleep is your body's natural time of restoration and healing. God put that in us intrinsically sleep rest boosts your immune system right gives you strength for the next day 
But now they're all laying and tossing and turning in their beds all night listening and hearing the sound of his brass clinking and, you know, all the things that they probably imagined. Stealing their sleep and robbing their morning. Isn't that interesting? What else did you get out of this section? What about David? That uh, Jesse sent his youngest son to go see his brothers instead of one of the older ones. Because there was a whole group of them in between yes. there. There were four more that weren't accounted for that were mm-hmm. older than David. Younger than the oldest, but older than David because he was he was the one they didn't even bother to call in. <laughs> exactly. But now he's being utilized to support the army. To bring supplies. Or it says in there in uh, which verse? Fifteen, that David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep, which means there's a constant back and forth. Right. At the end of, or in chapter 16, he was assigned to play the play the harp yes. for Saul because the Lord had departed. He had already been anointed by Samuel, by God, through Samuel, to be king. And now God brought him into a place of providing some peace for Saul in the palace, but giving him a home there, if you will, uh-huh. because now he had a job to do. He also became the armor bearer. Mm-hmm. Eventually, yep. Well, let's mm-hmm. just focus on that for right now. He's there to support, yes, for the king mm-hmm. and playing the harp, but then also for his brothers in providing food and nourishment and support, mm-hmm. feeding them in that way. Yep, but he, he was. And, uh, uh, I want to point that out now because it's significant in the next part that we're about to read. So. You're reading Promise? Yes. Can you read from verse 22 through verse 40, please? Yes. And David left his supplies in the hand of a supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. Philistines. Philistines, sorry. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be the, that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? Philistine, sorry. And takes away the reproach from Israel. For who's uncircumcised, for who's this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Mm-hmm. And the people answered him and this man is saying, so shall be done for the man who kills him. Now Elib, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the man, and Elib's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your own heart, for I have come down to see the battle. And David said, 
What have I done now? Is there no cause? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Yes. Mm -hmm. Then he turned from him towards another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go fight. Will go and fight with this Philistine. Steen. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to go fight with him, for you are, for you are you, and he is a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came, took a lamb, and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it, struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has both killed lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of a bear, he delivered me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David in his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a cloak of mail, coat of mail, sorry. Mm -hmm. David fastened his sword to his arm and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. And he, then he took a staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag, and a pouch which he had, and his sling was in hand, in his hand, and he drew neither Philistine. Philistine. Okay, so there's a lot. What did you get out of it? What did the Holy Spirit reveal to you? Or if you have questions or comments, please. I do want to say, sweetheart, so this is how you can tell the difference for the word, whether it's Philistine or Philistine. It's the land of Philistine. If we're talking about people, they are Philistines. Okay? Yes, ma'am. Okie dokie. If we're talking about a place, it's Philistine. Yes, ma'am. Okay? All right. Okay, so anyone? I kind of found it interesting that Saul then recognized David. Okay. It is kind of like he's a new person every time he sees him, and it's like he discovers him again, like a, like a treasure or a jewel. Like, oh, this is nice. Who are you again? Why do you think that is? Because he wasn't himself when you saw David before. Hence, David was playing his harp. So where is Saul's focus? Um, on Goliath. On the trial, the challenge. Not on the Lord. Not He's not his normal self. He's not, these are not attributes of a king to know their subjects, if you will. Yes. Modern times, right? You have a... An elected official, right? They know their constituents, ones that they're in contact with, especially constantly. Should have known these things. Yes. But yeah, he didn't. 
His focus was elsewhere. Mm. He was too busy to be bothered to learn who was around him and their roles. Yes. How can you lead people if you don't know the people around you and I'll say what they're capable of, both naturally but especially spiritually? I thought it was interesting that the people took David, his word seriously. Yes. They didn't, you know, Saul, yeah, Saul said, oh, you're a youth, but they didn't disregard him. They were like, hey, hey, Saul, somebody's over here talking. Hey, King, some, some, somebody's asking questions. And, you know, he hadn't really even gotten into it that he was going to kill the Philistine and, you know, what the Lord was going to do. He was just asking, no, what, what, what did he say again? He was just inquiring what the prize would be or you know, what was actually on the table, kind of coming up to speed. But other people took it to heart, his words, to go tell the king and, you know, that's the Lord bringing him into position, places and... Amen, absolutely. But also with that, let's look at David's treatment from his brothers, from people of his own house who knew David, he grew up with him. Is that showing Christ like Christ's character and nature? No. No. No, not at all. They were against him. And clearly this wasn't like a first time thing, because David asks the question, What have I done now? So clearly there was some type of resentment, unforgiveness, whatever, with his brothers. Probably jealousy. There, that too, I'm sure. Because David was chosen and anointed by the Lord to be king and they were not. And God, Samuel literally said about them, God has rejected them. Yes. Here they are, big and strong and beautiful. They were all handsome, good looking. They were, and tall and strapping and, you know, Gaston. <laughs> Little Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> um, and God passed them by, but found the little... The little shrimpy one, if you will, in comparison, the one that nobody even bothered to call inside to say, hey, something special's happening. They didn't even bother to call him. This is their little brother. They forgot his own daddy, forgot he was out there. Like, oh, oh, there's one more. But God saw him. So which beautiful to be God's servant because he sees us and knows us. Amen. When, even when people consider us small, God's like, no, that's, that's my son or my daughter. I and this is who they them. are. I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you. Amen. However, let's look at it in this way, too. Where were these brothers? Cowering with the rest of the army? Yes. <laughs> Cowering with the rest of the army on the front line. The Lord positions each and every one of his children to do battle against the enemy. It says in verse 21, both Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array Army against army. Yes. We have been provided with what? The armor of God. Yes. What is the point of having it if we're not going to use it? There's no point. It I guess defeats the whole purpose of having it. They, they had on armor. They were ready for battle. But nobody was battling. Nobody <laughs> stepped up to the plate. As it were, 
and said, like, like with Isaiah, who will I send? I'll go. Send me. Well, honey, everybody doesn't want to fight. It's Some true. People just like to look good. So, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. The only other point besides having armor is to look good. It's right, just what that's, to that's the Because that's where we were going with this, right? <laughs> it's not just about going to church and looking a certain way and right, following religious traditions. But so what are we actually doing for the Lord? Or are we just going with the motions, through the motions, and with the motion of whatever the environment is of that day? Going with the flow. Oh, yes, thank you. Going with the flow. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. What were we going to say, Leila? It seems like um, when David first came in and there, the people in the armies of Israel like, have you seen this man? It's like David is like totally unfazed. Like, who? What? I, I missed that. Like... They're making it this grand giant in their perspective, and really he's a grasshopper. So you see David going, giant? Where? I don't see a giant. I see a Philistine that's about to be on the ground, but no giant in sight. Yeah, I have questions there myself because it says in the previous section that we read that David was there going back and forth right, to Saul and to uh, take care of his father's sheep constantly. He's delivering supplies, all these things. But in there, we can, it's, but is also completely unaware, if you will, it seems. He's completely unaware of the situation at hand. Everyone's lined up and going you know, to battle, but the, the cause, the why, exactly what's happening, he's just unaware of. Well, he's probably out of, out of sequence for the latest events. I'm sure he knew they were fighting because his brothers had left i'm sure he knew but the exact details because he was at his father's house working he yes was, he was there to do his part of the family requirements he had probably gotten a hiatus from from saul you go home we're going to go to war and you know they're going out there you stay here so he probably didn't know you well, know the latest happenings the moment by moment developments it, on the which is true but there's the other aspect of that too which is david was just focused on he had been assigned to do on the one hand was take care of his father's sheep and on the second was go bring supplies to your brothers and minister to the king he didn't look left or right he just focused on those things right and that clearly was his role and responsibility and he took great care and pride in that if you will i don't mean pride as i'm prideful but it says even when he left he assigned people a keeper to accomplish the job while he was away doing the other thing. So he wanted to work in excellence and do exactly. a good job, do his best at it. He structured, there was organization, right? There were plans in, in, set in place well, in motion that it could be accomplished even without his presence there. Well, David has already been anointed, Amen. right? So the Lord is already, the Holy Spirit is resting upon him and helping him and guiding him. And you see the wisdom of God and the character and nature of God being developed in him, you know, even as to when it was time for him to, you know, get dressed himself for battle, he had the wisdom to say, mm, that's not going to work for me. I need to go with what I've already tested before the Lord. I need to mm -hmm. keep walking in what he's already provided and given me and was able to respectfully make that distinction before the king and still make a wise decision so he was at his best to fight. Exactly. Yes. But here's the other thing. 
and, and this is for everyone. It's not just people in ministry because the Lord uses everyone. We all have given, been given, all those that are in Christ have been given the ministry of reconciliation or reconciling things back to the Father, which means we also have the, he's also given us the Holy Spirit to minister to each one their needs, right? Yes. David focusing on what he has been asked to do by his natural father, Jesse, but also his heavenly father in ministering to the king was doing those things, right? But now, when the Lord, through natural causes, of course, has identified this whole other issue, which is the, the focus on why the army's there, and he begins to ask about it, those around him, his brothers especially who knew him, who grew up with him, were resentful. All of a sudden, all the support and the supplies and all these things that he had been doing and been providing were considered like they never happened. And instead, there's accusations of pride and insolence. Him, of pride and insolence, exactly. Hmm. All the good that he'd been doing was just now negated because, what? They, clearly, they felt like he was encroaching on their territory, on their place. That they weren't actually functioning. Right. But there's a dynamic. That's the dynamic. A lot of times that's allowed to grow between siblings within a household, that there is competition and comparison exactly. amongst one another versus coming together as a family and celebrating. When one person is blessed, it brings blessing for everybody. So when David was asking, well, what's this going to happen? What's the king going to do? One of the things that the the goal, the prize was, was exemption, tax exemption, tax exemption for the father's house. That And back then, that was everybody. The sons all lived together, their wives, their children, everybody fell underneath this, this one abode. So they would have received a blessing in David being blessed. Not only would the, the entire country have received blessing and benefit, but their particular household would have received blessing. That's why it's important that you rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Absolutely. And you mourn with those who are mourning, not mocking when someone is mourning or jealous when they're rejoicing because that doesn't display the character of God. That's not the spirit of the Lord bringing that kind of division and jealousy. But it's your job. And, you know, God watches for this. When your heart has been developed and cultivated to look like him, when your sibling gets a reward, you can celebrate with them or anybody, right? When he says, don't covet your neighbors, et cetera, et cetera, don't, you know, you, you shouldn't be jealous of people. Uh, that the New Testament more describes it as jealousy. When the, the law has been given out, it's called covetousness. You shouldn't feel that way because that's not coming from God. That's not coming from his spirit. But it's actually, it's sensual, right? Yes. And demonic. It's not coming from the Lord to try to pull you apart as siblings or even as brothers and sisters in Christ. God's, the word says that you'll, the world will know us by our love one for another, yes. not our wars and bitterness and wranglings with each other. Right, that's the New Testament thing. What's the source of quarrels among you? All right, you see that played out here. So two things, Recon be able to recognize that. If that seed is trying to plant itself in your heart, in your life, be able to recognize it, uproot it. And then two, don't be discouraged. 
don't be discouraged when others treat you in this way. And they are upset because even when the Lord has brought you to accomplish a job that, or, or something, which at the, at the core of this, there's, I'll say, ministry, but there's intercession. Or brought someone to act on their behalf. Right? Yes. Because someone wasn't, wouldn't do it, couldn't do it. They didn't, clearly didn't want to experience Goliath in, the, in this case and the issue anymore. But whether they were unable, unwilling, whatever the case is, the Lord sends people. The Lord has intercessors to do battle, to pray on our behalf, to pull down strongholds and all, all the other things that Paul describes. So, while that's happening, let's focus on what the Lord's doing for those that are in that position, not on what the people have to say, whether it's good or bad or whatever. Positive, negative towards us, or about us. Let's just continue to focus on the Lord. Right? Yes. Okay. Yes, um, I like how you brought up the piece about Testing the armor. The Lord has, has given each of us the armor of God, those that are His. Now, in the military, you get issued the same thing. Yes. However, you have to know how to set up your, your armor, your kit. It's specific to you. You have to be comfortable with it. So you can have it, but if you don't operate in it, how are you going to be effective in battle? If it's all but, I'll say, foreign as in just unfamiliar equipment. The whole point is to be proficient, to be adequate, so that you can function efficiently and effectively in what we're given. Right? The Lord has given us all, all this power and authority which comes through Christ. We still have to know and be proficient in how to operate in it. And that only comes through the Lord and His Holy Spirit revealing to us those things and what to do and how to prepare and what to say and what to do in the situation. And then doing it. Exactly, and then being obedient to do it. Um, how do we, in a tangible, how do you go about becoming comfortable with this, the weapons of our warf warfare that God has given us that are spiritual, right? Yes. How do we do that? By using them continuously. Okay. Using them how? How do you use them? Tell me actual activities or things you can do to use and develop and train yourself to use the weapons of our warfare and the armor that God has given us. Well, first you have to truly understand what it is, not just, I think this is what they do. So you would look at Ephesians where they're listed. And also, also you would practice using them in daily situations where you think it's 
and it's you think it's minimal like what should i wear today or this person's getting on my nerves lord help me (laughs) and why don't you just go ahead and take that little phrase out of your vocabulary your nerves are blessed by jesus and nobody is getting on them okay yes i need a little more patience my king with my neighbors so i can walk in love towards them Um, now with that what may happen uh, he puts you in situations where you're constantly being tested like that? No. Or, or you have the opportunity to exercise said patience. No, he'll start with correcting you. There is that. He's going to correct you. Yes. Because you are the problem in that scenario. If you're short on patience, it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. He told you to be long-suffering. Yes. Not make them stop. When I read that description of love, I didn't see make them stop God, <laughs> which I understand that. <laughs> I understand it. He said he'll cause our in- even our enemies to be at peace with us when our ways are pleasing to him. However, he told us to put the armor on. He told us to use the weapons of our warfare. He told us to walk in love, not I'll make others. You know what I mean? It, 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 yes. Just tell me and I'll make them do it. That he wants you to be the one that's cultivated. And as a result, the issue will be resolved. And God will intervene on our behalf. There's no doubt about that. But I'm just saying. But we have you to, have be to put on your own armor. So David in this tried to put on Saul's armor. Saul tried to give David his armor. It didn't work. It didn't fit. There are no, we'll say, sec- there are no secondhand anointings. The Lord's given each and every one of us an anointing and armor. We have to move, function, operate in it okay. ourselves. So I want to. I want to make. A, I know we're going to build on that, but a clear yes reference. So Kylie, you brought up starting the small things. Yes, okay. David said that he stopped, started off with the lion and the bear, which is small in comparison. I don't know. Well, uh. he started off working in what capacities he had. So. First, we have to be in covenant relationship with the Lord, right? Yes. Okay, so make sure that that's solid, that you are, in fact, in communion and covenant with the Holy Spirit and through Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Then, go about your day. Ask the Holy Spirit, what do you think about this, Lord? And then he tells you, okay? Then, whatever instructions that he gives you, whatever um, I'll say opinion, but it's not an opinion. Whatever mindset that he says, this is how I feel about it. Adapt your mindset to agree with him. So his thoughts, his ways that he's teaching you, Mm -hmm. you have to apply those to your life. Accept them as your own and renew your mind with them, right? Yes. So this is actually the right way to handle it because God already showed me this. Walk in the light of the word that you have, right? Yes. When an, a situation comes up, so you see someone is um, attacking you or setting up a, a trap for you, go to the Lord. Lord, what do you say about this? Okay? Or for one of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. In David's case, it was one of the lambs, one of the sheep, where, Lord, what do I do? Well, then mm-hmm. he had to go attack the bear, Right? There's, he says he had to go hunt it down or chase it down because it took one. 
and he had to go after it mm-hmm. to get it back. Same thing, whether it's for yourself or someone else. Lord, what do I say? What do I do? And be quiet, be still, and listen till you hear from him. Don't feel like you have to rush, right? That yes. feeling is going to come up and start roaring and pulling on your, your flesh and your emotions. If you don't hurry, you're going to lose it. If you, if you don't panic, if you don't worry, what's going to happen? Resist that and consciously trust God. Lord, I believe you. Open your mouth. I believe you, Lord, and I'm listening and waiting for your command. Okay? Yes. And then whatever he says to you, if he says pray for them or pray in this way or go and speak with this person, then go do what he told you to do. Right? As you're going, trust him. Lord, I trust you. I'm going in obedience to you. Like, control your emotions. Tell him to be quiet and sit down and actively put your mind in your heart on Jesus, that he will be there for you and answer and provide the solution. Okay? Yes. Yes. Other people are going to come from the outside and try to influence. Have your heart set, Lord, on my ears and my eyes are open for you, Jesus. Minister to me and speak to me and help me to grasp your path. Help me to catch on to what you're doing so I can walk with you. He will always do that and trust that he will. No worry, no fear. No doubt, no unbelief has any place in you. Make it be quiet. Cast it out. Shut it up and get it out in the name of Jesus. And focus on him. Okay? And so when they come up, like you brought up, honey, Saul trying to give David this armor. Oh, this is going to help you. Recognize, oh, God didn't say that to me. He didn't say that for me. I'm going to go with what he told me to do. Okay? Refuse to fear. Refuse to doubt. God will answer. He will be there for you. He will help you. Okay? Believe that and trust him. Okay? And start regularly. Start on the stuff where there's no pressure. Like you said, Kyla, what's my outfit for today? How do you want my hair styled? What kind of haircut do you see me with, Lord? Et cetera, et cetera. Start there. And then as you build your faith in these smaller areas, when the bigger things arise, it'll be easier for you to walk in it. Just like you exercise your muscles, Sit down when there's no pressure, there's no life or death, no dire situations, and learn to hear the voice of the Lord. Have a conversation with him, just like you would anybody else. You guys hear me all the time, and I'm like, oh, I'm just talking to the Lord. I, have, I personally have conversations out loud with God. If, you know, I don't necessarily do it at work because people would be confused by that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm constantly talking with him. And if I am alone, I speak with him just like I speak with another person. But, but let's get to the why. The why is because it is easier to practice this when there's no dire straits on the line or you're not in dire straits. There's no, no huge challenge. There's no pressure. Mm-hmm. Or there's not a life or death situation there. Mm-hmm. When, Because when you get to those, whatever's on the inside of you is coming out. So if it's mm-hmm. the flesh, it's going to be screaming and try to get you to focus on it. Mm-hmm. Vice, if you have cultivated and put in this pattern, this habit in your life of, I'm just walking with the Lord in everything. Mm-hmm. As we go, when there's, uh, I'd say when there's nothing, it's just you and him. There's no pressure. There's no, uh, no time crunches. Mm-hmm. None of those things exist. It's easy to do it mm-hmm. now when there's pressure. 
But you have to develop those habits, those mm-hmm. patterns in your life. Yeah. David spent time with the Lord while he was tending the sheep regularly. That's why he could say, hey, see the Lord in everything. Especially later on in his life when he didn't have the opportunity to go to a synagogue or, or the temple and read the scrolls. or He could see the Lord in the stars and in the trees. And Why? Because he had fashioned his life in such a way where the Lord was in and a part of everything. The Lord was teaching him as he went. It wasn't just about reading the Lord's word. It was also about hearing his voice, which if we go back in Scripture, that's how it started, right? What Bible did Adam and Eve have? What Bible, what scrolls, what, what word, written word, did Abraham have? Or Isaac, or Jacob, or didn't have any. The Lord talked to them directly, as he still talks to us today. It wasn't until Moses that Moses started writing the book of the law. Mm-hmm. But then even then, how did Moses know about all the things that happened? Mm-hmm. The Lord taught him, as he wants to teach all of us. Yes. So we, we're not saying that you shouldn't read your Bible. We absolutely Read your Bible, yes. Read it, study the Word of God, but don't exclude the Holy Spirit. Don't just, don't just think you're going to get a formula and be able to read and memorization and that alone is enough. You need the Holy Spirit to quicken that Word to you, to give you revelation, knowledge, and understanding, and how to apply it, rightly divide it. That comes only from the Holy Spirit. And it's good to go to church. It's good to listen to teachings. That people that are teaching the word, that's, that's a necessity. It's good for you. Absolutely. And what if you're alone in a cave? What run if, on the run for your life. What if that happens? Who is going to preach to you? You may not have a Bible in your hand. Are you now disconnected from the Lord? No. No. Absolutely not. He said his word is written on our heart. That's his desire, that it be on the tablet of our heart. And in our mouth. Right? Yes. Yes. And look at all the ways in Scripture where he speaks to us. There's dreams, visions, like Moses, face to face. Right? Yes. Okay. All that still exists today. Mm -hmm. But a lot of that comes down to how willing you to listen to his voice, which goes on with the relationship that you have. Is it a personal, deep, and intimate one? Or has that personal, deep, and intimate relationship been substituted for traditions? Religious traditions or any type of tradition? We're just wasting time. Time, you know, doing anything but. (laughs) Exactly. So, we're ready to move on? Do you have a question, Charles? Uh, no, it's not. Actually, there's kind of question. Okay. The first question is, do you, do you know where it says that the devil is walking around like a roaring lion, going to and fro? Mm-hmm. Seeking whom he may devour? Yes. You know where it is, Leyland? Uh, 
results. Isn't that in the same? You're going for it, Layla? What'd you say? So you're going for it? You're going to help him? Yes, I okay. am. So it's sticky, that'd be great. Mm -hmm. First Peter, five eight. Yeah, listen, first Peter. Okay. We were showing me here that when he was talking about how he went after a lion and a bear and he killed it. The Lord was showing me that it also correlates to how Jesus, he went, you could say, when Paul was talking about how you turn one over to the devil, you could say, in this case, it's also perfect that the Lord also does that. He goes after the devil, who it calls like a wrong line. He goes after to get that one sheep back mm -hmm. and strikes the thing that's holding them, I'd say, like that. All right, which goes into what the Lord says in Isaiah 58, which is about, from verse 16 in the chapter, which is about, not just about prayer and fasting, but is about a fasted life, which mirrors what is said in Isaiah 61, the entirety of the chapter. But the first two to three verses is what Jesus uses to define his ministry in Luke 4. Where he says, in both cases, it's not the fast I've chosen, right? I've been anointed by the Lord to what? Free the captives, deliver, right? Yes. Return sight. All these, all these things about freedom, freedom and freeing those that are in bondage. Much the same thing that's happening here, or how David is being utilized here and in this situation. So, yes. Amen. It's good, sir. Anyone else? All right, well, let's continue. Verse 41 through the end of the chapter. I'll read it. All right, Layla. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you have come to me with sticks? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with the sword, with the spear, and with the javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the, the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David, David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath, 
and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Sheraim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. When Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As your soul lives, O king, I do not know. So the king said, Inquire whose son this young man is. Then as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of, Philist of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? So David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. You know, he's probably like, wait a minute. Huh? Is this the same? It was probably a hard cry <laughs> to put together the little nice little boy playing the harp. <laughs> <laughs> and then this, you know, this fierce warrior well, who's not exactly. afraid of anything. By his hair. But <laughs> he knocked him in the head with a rock. Boing. Right, right in the forehead. How's that go? <laughs> and he, <laughs> That was good. <laughs> and then chopped his head off with a giant sword. You know, we his just, own sword. His own weapon. Goliath's own weapon, that is. When he had just tried to put on just little Saul stuff, who was he was bigger than everybody in Israel, but he was still smaller than quite smaller than Goliath. He couldn't even handle his stuff in the the trial period, if you will. But now he hit the man in the head with the rock, you know, he fell down and then chopped his head off with his own this big giant man's sword. So he's probably like, wait a second, that can't be the heart boy. The little <laughs> <laughs> you know? It can't be the same kid, you know. I'm, I'm sure he was like rubbing his eyes, you know, squeaking the wax out of his ears. Like, are you? <laughs> yeah. What are you saying? You know, I, I could I could see that being puzzling to, to someone. Kyla, did you see the answer to your question? Which question? You asked a question earlier about why Israel did not take the Philistines as slaves and servants, right? Which was the negotiation or mm -hmm. agreement, if you will, that, that Goliath was trying to make with Saul. Well, they wanted to kill the Philistines. Right. That was not David's intent, right? He said very plainly, verse 46, that the Lord will deliver him into his hand, go deliver Goliath. And he will strike him and take his head. And then he says, And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Oh, I'm not saying like the Israelites should have taken them as captives. I just mean the fact that the Philistines, they were talking all this smack and then ran away. They just sure. heard But here's the thing about sin. Sin and being, even being used of or by the enemy, the devil. Takes you further than you ever wanted to go. He was only planning on X, which was, for his case, he was going to be victorious, and they were going to have servants. Yes. However, that's never the case. When things happen, it always takes you further than you wanted to go. Mm -hmm. It typically costs you Sin, sin costs you, and ultimately, its its goal, like Bobby was reading or was read, 
is there to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Devil rolls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour, who can, can kill, destroy. But sin also affects all those around you. And you can see that time and time again throughout, uh, especially uh, Moses as he describes it with the, through, from Exodus to Deuteronomy, right? The children of Israel in the wilderness. Yes. Where one person will go to uh, Miriam and Aaron. Miriam had to get put out of the camp for eight days. Nobody in the camp could move forward. It was a hindrance to everyone. That's approximately three million people that could not move forward because of one. It matters. Sin and disobedience matters. And it takes us further than we ever expected it to take us. Mm-hmm. You can't plan for it. That's why the Lord describes it in such intricate detail in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. There are so many verses focused on the results of sin, the curse, if you will. Because it's complicated. Yes. It's still part of spiritual laws, but it is complicated. Where obedience, which is what's listed in both both of those chapters in the first part of it, is not. It's very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Which is why, it's, especially Moses and Joshua, it's constantly said, hey, before you use life and death, the blessing and the curse, choose life that you and your seed may live. Exactly. Because it doesn't just affect you. Which is a, a common thing you hear in the world from people, unfortunately, believers and non-believers alike. Who's it bothering? Oh, it doesn't affect anybody but me. It's not true. No, it's sure not. That is, in fact, quite the opposite. It affects everyone. But you see it here. That, that verse 46 is your answer as to why. Goliath thought it was, he was the one doing negotiate, the negotiating. I'll lay down the terms, you just accept it as is. He forgot in negotiation. There's offers, there's counter offers. Yes. I don't have to agree to the terms that you are drawing up. But that, that is also a tactic of the enemy, to exactly. negotiate. Well, how much sin are you going to take? Well, you just, you're going to take a little bit of sin? How about you guys just be our servants when God said that he would do what? Deliver them. Yes. Which, well, let's think back here. Saul, or David in this instance, was used much in the same way as Saul was when he first came into his kingship. As a deliverer? As a deliverer. For people who, hey, you have the option. You can die, or we'll just put out your right eye, and you can be our servants. We're going to maim you, right? Yes. Same thing here. Just send out one, and then you can just be our servants. A similar ultimatum, if you will, is given. Yes. But the Lord always sends what's needed. Deliver someone to help. Hmm. 
what else? What else? Or any questions, comments, or anything else that the Holy Spirit revealed to you? Oh, I wanted to kind of point out where Goliath's shield bearer went. Where was he? <laughs> In front of Goliath? But he wasn't, David didn't kill him. He was probably stunned. He was probably shocked. I mean, you couldn't stop the shield. The, the, the stone flew over his little shield because it was probably a smaller man, a, yes. a regular size man, I would suspect. Who knows? Guessing, it's possible. Right? He's probably smaller because how could Goliath see? If they were both the same height. Exactly. And then they would have been like, there's two giant men. But they didn't say, <laughs> they didn't say that. Um, so it flew over to hit, you know, Goliath between the eyes or in the forehead. And he was probably in, in shock because why would they let the one man come out and do all this talking for 40 days unless they had put their hope and confidence in him as well? Like, nobody can defeat him. He's going to be the best. So, you know, he was probably stunned. He probably ran away like everybody else. Like, what kind of little man is this? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know? That just happened. I saw it with my it's own eyes, crazy. right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's the it's a game changer. The boldness and the tenacity and the power of God. I, I appreciate that, Lord. And he gave him supernatural strength to wield that sword and take his head off and... I was exactly. probably nasty and bloody, and he's walking around with his head. And probably is heavy. <laughs> I mean, I, if, after doing all that, I could see why he didn't let the head go. He was like, no, nah, I'm keeping this. this. I, can, I can see why, but it's still like, wow. Oh, but he also followed through with what he said. This is what he said he was going to do. I'll take your head from you mm -hmm. and feed it to the birds. Yeah. He said, look what the Lord can do. Uh -huh. I love our God. <laughs> Definitely defeats our enemies. He fights the battle for us. Mm -hmm. I mean, you talked early on when we were introduced to Goliath in the beginning of the chapter, right? He had a helmet. He had all these things. Yes. And this... Smooth stone. Don't you love that? Countered all of that. That's why you get the answer from the Lord. Because if he had been like, well, if I do this and I chop five times over here and I try to stab him and run him through, he would have been there all day trying to get through his armor. But God was like, oh, you see a little spot? <laughs> God knew the soft spot. But then let's also look at the result. Not just that David killed Goliath. But what then happened to well, the entirety of the army Which of Israel? Encouraged. Oh, they felt encouraged. Oh, they were then united. They were encouraged. They were built up and even prompted to go attack. Then they got a bunch of spoil planted in their tents. They chased, uh, but let's also look at this. Where did they chase them to? Gath and Ekron to their okay. own city. Out of their territory. That they had been occupied. The territory of Israel, yes. So they took back the territory, took away the foot foothold mm -hmm. of the enemy, mm -hmm. completely ridding them from the land, from the area. We talked about that earlier, casting out fear. Get it out. Yes. 
Don't, of your, don't allow it to have a foothold. Your life is territory. Your physical life and the things that are happening in your life and the destiny that God has for you is your territory, among other things. But that's the first territory that you have. Then you have your home, you have your finances, you have your work or your business, or you have your family, you know what I mean? Those are all territories that God has given you. Defend it, tend and keep it. First and foremost, it's your life, but your life in relation to the Lord. Who's going to have the bigger voice? Which one are you going to listen to more? The Lord? Or whatever it is that's trying to creep in and get a foothold and take over more and more territory. It always starts there first. Whose report are you going to believe? Anything else? No. What about Saul's reaction? All he did was ask <laughs> whose son this was. Okay. But let's not forget, at the beginning, he, he didn't even know who David was. It was all, like David was already ministering to the king. Regularly. But he, but he didn't recognize him. Got amnesia. But now, not only is he interested in who he is, but now he wants to know about him. What's your family? What's your, right? All these other things. That's deeper than just a, oh, hi, Kylo. And we're on a first-name basis, maybe. What's your name again? But I, no. Exactly. Okay. But now it's, I want to know you. I want to know about you. All right? Yes. So, you see, uh, there is a, now I'll say intrigue, yes. and a desire to learn more about David, and I'll say who he is. Skills. His background, right? all those things that we were talking about earlier. And also, like, go to the fact that, like, the Lord said, your king will take the choice men from among you and take all the best of the lot, like the sheeps and everything. And Charles so clearly, like, David's the best. I'm taking him. Little He's swords gonna... flashing before, before his eyes. Winning battles in the future. Sure. And he's a young man, so he's got a lot of time with him. He's not even developed in fighting at this point. He couldn't even walk with regular armor on. He's just talking about killing a lion and a bear. He hasn't even got into it. He's still a young guy. He's probably like rubbing his hands together, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Philistines, you're going to get it. <laughs> My little warrior gold mine. Sure, he was. Now, the other thing is who brought David to Saul after this great victory? Um, Abner. Right. Now, further down the road but Abner's nature and character comes out later on he's sneaky yep that's a that's a nice way to say it so we talked earlier about knowing uh, some of the traits of being a leader is knowing your people their nature their character what they're like right can they be tr are they trustworthy do they have integrity not just skills capabilities and all these other things but it's significant because, well, I wouldn't say this is exactly at the beginning, but you see that this person had a place for a long time. Yes. Now, 
the significance of that will come out later as we get further into First Samuel. But uh, I just want to point that out now because clearly there's a reason that it's listed, that the Lord found fit to put it in now. Yes. But it comes down to, are we going to pick the people? Or are we going to let the Lord pick the people? Right? Yes. yes. The people that can provide counsel and, and all those things should first and foremost hear from the Lord, which means they have to have their own personal, deep, and intimate relationship with Him. How else will they be able to sow or pour into our lives through the Spirit, right? You have to sow in the Spirit so we can reap in the Spirit. Yes. So we should be aware of those things for ourselves. But that comes from our own personal and intimate relationship with the Lord. Okay? Yes. 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 Does anyone have anything else they want to comment on or anything else that's been revealed? Okay. Well, let's close there for today. And we'll visit chapter 18 next time. Who wants to close us out in prayer? I will. All right. Well, Charles? Lord, I thank you for today, Lord, and sharing with us your knowledge of the Lord so that way we can have both mental strength, Lord, and your natural strength, Lord. And I just thank you for giving us your strength, not allowing us to do it out of our own human strength, Lord. And giving us the power to endure things so we can get the prize, Lord. And helping us to go to heaven with you and be at your feet, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you for these Bible studies and everything that's inside of them, Lord, and the people who are listening and going by them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Everybody have a wonderful day. We love you. God bless you. God bless you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.